Hello, and welcome to the deep end. I am not Pastor Tim Hatch, but he may be joining us. Stay tuned, and we'll see you in just a moment. Welcome to the deep end. He said that one. Yes, that one. Uh, yes, my name's Chris McEwen. I'm in the big chair. Yes, you are. Over here. And joining me on the couch today is Pastor Tim Hatch and his lovely wife, Pastor Cheryl Hatch. Hello, everybody. On the couch. On the couch. Yeah. Are you going to counsel us today? Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, after two weeks of uh, teaching from the pulpit together, we need some counseling. Your marriage is stronger than ever. That's what I was <laughs> expecting to hear. <laughs> I know Poor a lot Mr. of X. a lot of people have enjoyed. Yes, that C.S. Lewis quote was great and well received. Among we have it on the whiteboard over there. We'll get we, a shot of the. Okay, quote. there were a lot of other nicknames and things thrown around that we won't get to, but uh, <laughs> a lot of revealing stories in this series. Was it's there been fun? I think so. What was mm-hmm. one of the revealing stories that we told? Uh, well, oh, you, you and directions. Yeah, <laughs> you and directions, we, and I think you're doing a great job, by the way, so far. Excellent, Thank you. Wonderful, yes. fantastic. Thank you. Mult- get the thesaurus out, people. And I'll leave the camel comment out yes, of it. Yes, please. We will move on. Although I can mm. tell them how we got there. No. All right, maybe not. <laughs> so, welcome to the deep end. Uh, so, this is a special Q and A. Uh, we did it last week, yep. and we didn't answer every single question because they continue to come in all week. And I think right now you can even continue to ask Facebook Live. Yes, yeah. in the comments below on Facebook or YouTube Live, we are monitoring the questions over there. Kelly at the production studio is monitoring the questions. She'll shoot them over to you in a text, and we will continue. From there. Yeah. Also, Cheryl is doing a ladies' tea this Sunday. Yes, oh, very we are excited about that, ladies. If you um, have any questions that you would like answered, come to the ladies' tea. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. Um, we have a great panel of ladies. Most all of them are small group leaders and ladies that have gone through, um, some of them have gone through some trials and things in their life that they're going to share about. And we want you to come and see who our leaders are in this church. And you're going to get some some great um, connection. Yeah. yeah. And what time is it? It's at four o'clock on Sunday. At Sunday, and we're gonna have some desserts, some light desserts, and some tea and coffee. So leave the kids at home. Leave the husband at home with the kids. Mm. Right. Ah, shoot. <laughs> um, so it's gonna be a great time of fellowship. Sorry. And it's also a way. A lot of ladies are asking, how do I get involved with other women in the church? And this there you go is a great way for you to meet other ladies that come to Water Church. Show up Sunday at four, four to yeah. six. About, yeah, around four to six. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have a little bit of worship, a little bit of fellowship, and a, some Q&A. And husbands, meet me at the paintball field <laughs> with your kids. Yeah, paintball. Beer and paintball instead yeah, of tea. Like and, are there crumpets? Tea and crumpets. I always think, I don't even know what a crumpet is, but <laughs> well, it's desserts. just it's just a light dessert, Okay. coffee, tea, But I chocolate. can't go, right? I cannot no. go? Okay. No. All right. But ladies, you should. Yes, you so should. let's go right into questions. We've got a bunch. And All right, I'm just going to randomly select some right here. So how do you address things you worry uh, without making your partner feel guilty or irritated? How do you address uh, things that you're worrying about without irritating your partner? <sighs> well, um, if we have to speak candidly. You have to. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> um, we do that sometimes. We both express fears or worries that might irritate each other. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are grounded. Some of them are not so grounded. But the, the thing is we can encourage each other and um, 
it is going to irritate each other. We do. Yeah. We do. There's no avoiding. No. The irritation factor. Right. I mean, if any relationship that's worth building, uh, bettering is going to require work. Sure. Some of that work is, uh, you know, this annoys me about you, and we need to work on that. So that's just a fact of life. You're not going to avoid that, and you can't avoid it, and it's going to happen. And if it's not happening, I always say if there's not a lot of fighting, well, not, I don't want to say a lot, but if there's not mm. any fighting in a marriage, one of the people is not being honest. Right. And that's not healthy. Eventually, Fight for your marriage. Yeah. Yep. Eventually, you're going to explode on the person, or you're going to just go. Like, you're going to just leave. And that... That happens. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they are just completely gone, or they left, or they did something crazy, but they had all these built-up things that they never addressed. Sure. Now, as soon as you bring up something to your spouse that in, is d- uncomfortable, it's going to annoy them. And what was the other other attitude? Uh, irritate. Irritate. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to do that. That's called working it out. But let's address that fear factor. Mm. We can't live in fear. Mm. No, you can't. And as Especially a Christian, as a child of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit, uh, but of power, love, and sound mind. And uh, so you've got to be able to address the uncomfortable without falling to pieces or uh, being wrapped up in anxiety. And some of the fears, um, you know, that you have can we we came together as as a couple with different types of fears. Like some of them were from our childhood. Hmm. Um, you know, for example. I grew up in South Africa, so I've always been afraid of the dark, afraid to be at home alone at night. He didn't. He's never really had. Yeah, those I grew up fears. in the woods. I grew up in the woods where there was no streetlights. Right. And then, and the closest neighbor was like a half a mile down the road, so darkness has never caused me fear. Right. Well, that's kind of cool. You can help each other. You got to he help each other out. He yeah. helps me with that. But there's fear. no way we are ever going to have a healthy relationship if we're holding things back yeah. because of fear. We've got to open our mouths. We have to embrace the conflict and embrace mm-hmm. the opportunity to annoy each other or worry each other because I want our relationship to work. Right. And if I want our relationship to work, well, we got to work on how we approach each other, how we treat each other. Exactly. So honesty and patience would probably be the best you know, yeah. key there. And don't let fear drive the bus in how you relate to your spouse because all it does is it just leaves um, those... Those, uh, what do you call them? The ticking time bombs in your mind right. and, in your, and in your spirit. You don't want that. No. No, I had a neighbor once uh, who came home and the wife did exactly what you just said. They're Everything just in the house was gone. And yeah. he's like, we, I never knew we had a problem. Right. Exactly. You never yeah. knew I had a problem because you never spoke up. Right. And we also recognize what tend to be the more, um, like, so women, for example, will tend to worry more about the kids' well-being, more about the, you know, um, I don't want to stereotype, but there sure. are certain things that women tend to worry more about and men tend to worry more about. So recognize and be a little bit patient with those types of fears and understand, you know, yeah. a mom is going to naturally worry more. I worry way more about, about the kids. The kids Tim worries about the dogs. He or, does. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I, I am not a good dog parent. <laughs> no, I worry. Well, I am as strict of a no, kid parent as you can be and as lax and lenient of a dog parent as you can be. I don't know what it right. is. Yeah. <laughs> He needs help. Pray for him. <laughs> I should not have dogs. Like some people should not have kids. I should not have dogs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody wants to rescue a dog. That's right. Two no, boxes. No, we're not giving house. our dogs away. No. They're ours Not now. this week. We'll see. <laughs> not this not week. Not this week, no. All right, next question. So what are your thoughts on teen stress and figuring out what life means and dealing with the anxieties of growing up? Realizing life isn't as good as you thought when you were a kid. <laughs> 
Uh, that's like growing mm. up, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's just like uh, growing I'll up. I'll take this one. Okay. And that is just welcome to life. Mm. Yeah. Period. Okay. You are going to never have it as good as you had it when you were a kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are, this is why a lot of people who are abused and have terrible childhoods actually end up being radically successful because they, they've already been through hell. Move and past it. Yeah, yeah. And they move past it. It's like getting out of their house was heaven to them. So now they embrace life with eyes wide open mm. in many respects, and they have a, a hugely successful... Some of my friends... Anyway, I don't want to generalize, but some of my friends who grew up with horrible homes today are you know, on the cusp of millionairehood, yeah. you know, and they're just radically successful. Now, maybe they're trying to undo the harms of their childhood, sure. too, and there is something to be said for that. But you know, if you've had a good childhood, and I had a good childhood, Cheryl had a good childhood, mm-hmm. you know, ch- childhood is a precious time, but it is a temporary time, and uh, real life starts when you start you know, getting out of your parents' house and doing your own thing and being responsible for yourself. Right. That's a good and healthy thing. You know, if you got stressed there, you need to have an active prayer life with the Lord. Right. You need to have an active Christian community who can build you up and encourage you in the faith. Mm, and you groups. need to be in the, yeah, and you need to be under the authority of a shepherd pastor mm-hmm. who will teach you God's word and help empower your life so that you'll be successful. Right. But um, I also, we have teena- two teenagers and I also always tell my daughter because she's going through that stage right now where life is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to put it into perspective. If you draw up a big map of your life and you make a little dot as to where you high school fits in, it's, it's such a small sure. speck on the map of your life. In, in relation to the rest of your life. Yeah. And it is important, and I do, and I, you know, obviously when you're going through those things, because kids today are going through stuff that we never experienced as They're exposed teenage. to more real life Right, early but you got to put it, I always yeah. tell my daughter, Livia, put it into perspective. This is small in relate, as far as popularity, all those kinds of things. Yeah. It's so small in the relation. Four you know, years exactly. out of your whole life, yeah. And, and think about it, when I look back, to my high school experiences when I was going through it, oh my gosh, it was terrible. But now I look back and I'm like, why did I worry about that? It, yeah. It's like so little in, you know. But a lot of people seem to hold on to those high school years because you hear time and time again, people compare their life. Oh, it's like high school. You know, people just. Well, there's uh, human interaction memories. is the mm. same no matter where you go. Yeah. There's always clicks. There's always. Right. Yeah. There's always the in crowd, the out crowd, no matter where you are. No, at I the think, job, that's Yeah, I think happen. you can. You can be deeply scarred or hurt or, you know, greatly impacted by your high school years. Um, That's why you got to make wise choices. And that's why we try to teach that to our kids as well, Mm. because it could affect the trajectory of your life. But don't live in that moment as if that's. But back to the question is, how do I handle those stresses? That's called real life. Real life. (laughs) And perspective. I like that aspect, too, because anything in perspective. That's right. You know, it's small. And and again, I can't overemphasize this. Mm. You know, spend time in God's word. Yeah. There's so many Christians that just, they want peace, but they don't do what God's word says to do to have peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 26 says, he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you, for he trusts in you. Right. Well, are you putting your mind on Christ? Well, how do I put my mind on Christ? You don't put your mind on Christ through osmosis. You have to put your mind in Christ through the word. The word of God reveals Christ. Jesus said in Luke 24, the, the scriptures, the Old Testament is all about me. In John 5, he says, these scriptures that you think give you life, they're actually all about me. So this, the Bible is revealing to us who Christ is. The more we know who Christ is, the author of life, yeah. the more peace we have in our life. He's not just the author of life. He's the finisher of our faith. He is our great shepherd. He is our great high priest. He is our conqueror, 
Uh, he is our victor. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is our brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things about who yeah. he is that brings peace to our lives. So if you're not in God's word, you have my permission to fear, worry, and stress. Sure. But if you're in God's word, I guarantee you the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ yeah. Jesus. That worked for me when I, uh, before I got saved, I was filled with anxiety and that was taken away as I got deeper in the word yeah. and prayer. Uh, so let's stick with some parenting stuff since this last week you, uh, you guys were talking about parenting and there's a few okay. questions. How does it work when submitting to your husband when it comes to disciplining our children? Our son is 4.5 and pretty wild at times, <laughs> four and a half. Well, every child at four and a half is wild. Yes. Yeah, right. If your child isn't wild and crazy at four and a half, then... And some more than others. Mm-hmm. Right. Our, our second born was not wild at four and a half as much as our third oh born. Oh my gosh. He was like a holiday. So what, is that the okay. question? Is that uh, the complete question? Yeah, our son, yeah, so how, well, the question is, how does it work submitting to your husband with, it sounds like they have different views on disciplining right. the child. So should the wife submit to the fathers or should they talk about it together and figure out the best way to discipline the child? It's about disciplining. I think it's important for the men, men to, to really, discipline. yeah, to yes. dis- especially boys. Yeah. And that's what I said on Sunday, which is what that Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord Two hmm. Two ends of the same um, goal of raising your children is discipline and instruction. Mm-hmm. Discipline, hold their feet to the fire, instruct, tell them why. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget the rod. The rod drives uh, folly out of a child. Yeah. Um, and Cheryl just said it, and it's, it's right. The father has to step up. Now, when it's a mother, a woman is asking this question, so what would you True. advise a woman? How does she in that submit? Okay, so I, as a mom of two boys, I do agree, I do admit that sometimes you want to step in because you're sort of like the nurturer and the protector of, that comes naturally to you. So sometimes you think, oh my gosh, he's being so hard. But like I gave that example um, over the weekend where if you watch a mom and dad at the beach or wherever, mom will be gently wading yeah. the baby in the water and the father's there and he's throwing, they're, risk, they're, they're more riskier. Yeah, than sure. But at the same time, the father is there to also give them that, the stronger guidance, the stronger boundaries yeah. and can do that much better because we, we tend to worry about their feelings and, you know, I don't want to yeah. hurt them, but the dad is there to make sure that they're getting disciplined and it needs to come from the father. So you two should work out But be on the roles. same. Don't ever, don't yeah. ever undermine or undercut. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. Don't undermine each other's discipline tactics. Right. Um, and we said this on Sunday, and it is true. Like, this is the one area that we have never fought about. And we fought about mm-hmm. every area that you can't fight about, but not discipline. Cheryl has supported me in my discipline. Now we've we've always Every said, so often, "Look, you, you, know, you went say, too far. Uh, that happens. Mm. You went too far with that. What were you thinking? Yeah. You know, that's stuff." Then you talk happens. about it, right? But but that's where we balance. Each you got to balance each other, and yeah. you got to com- and you got to communicate about it. Like, what are you expecting? Because we're both disciplined differently growing up as well. Sure. So you bring that discipline that you got from your parents into your marriage, and you both came from different discipline tactics. Well, the more that you talk and communicate about what worked with you and what didn't work with you is going to help. Yeah. So it's it can't just be that I think she's saying do, do I just let him do it all? No. Right. And again, the passage is saying in Ephesians six four fathers, not suggesting that women are not to be involved here. It's trying to cut through the fact that by nature I think men want to abdicate their role here. And Paul is saying no, fathers, don't abdicate your role. 
you also be actively involved in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And it teaches, when discipline comes from both mom and dad, it teaches the children that they both mom and dad love them. Yeah. I have this interesting little thing I can throw in. Please. Um, they did this study with elephants where they took out all the father, all the male elephants out of a, I don't know what you call it, a tribe a pack, of a, a yeah. pack of a whatever. Sure. And they they didn't understand well first of all they removed the males and they didn't understand why the elephants the young male elephants were actually killing each other oh, and once no they di- put because yeah. there was no discipline yeah. no the, f- the male elephants were the ones that kept them in you know, okay yeah in, in check, in check. Yeah. and once they rem- put them back into the, the population cur- whatever yeah. the population they behaved better wow so it, it it's yeah, and it's amazing how what Paul says is in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do, first he says, do not provoke your children. In other words, don't make them angry. Right. So how do I not make my child angry? When I am an active father, disciplining and instructing my children. Mm-hmm. Without a fatherly figure, we have angry kids. The school shooters are typically... You know, yeah, fatherless, fatherless, yeah. fatherless sons. Let's not let's not miss that either. Sure. It's not girls shooting up the schools. It's boys. Boys yeah. and jihad. Look at all the males. And look at jihad. Look the, at yeah. ISIS. Most of them are just yeah. Look at, uh, look at the Gestapo, Germany, Himmler, everybody that led the Holocaust. I mean, these are men. Yeah, fathers without men without fathers become angry men. Sure, yeah. it's just a fact. And actually, it's in our home. All I have to do is say, "Wait till Dad gets home." Because he loves to provoke. That's what we learned no, this last weekend. No, because they know. <laughs> I thought that that was the interpretation, but that's not the interpretation at all. The interpretation right. is you, if you step out of this, dads, your children will grow angry. Yeah. Yeah. They I need like that. discipline from dad. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, so last week you mentioned vaccines. I need a biblical deck, uh, direction about HPV vaccines for my teenagers. There's tons of commercials on these now. Uh, we are teaching our teenagers to wait for marriage, which is ideal. But guarding against STDs seems smart. We actually did a bit of research on that. Yeah, okay. this one came one. in beforehand. Yeah. And in Rhode Island, it's actually mandatory that you have to have your kids' vaccine. I don't with like this that vaccine. personally. So, okay. So anyways, <laughs> in Rhode Island, it's mandatory for the, through yeah. the public school so you can homeschool your children if you want, Chris. Okay. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we just... Yeah, and let me just say, I don't like it either, yeah. personally, but... The, the state is the state for a reason. Mm-hmm. And wh- and I, I believe that the Christian's relationship to the state is obey the state to the point that it does not cause you to actively disobey the Lord. Right. So where the state and you can agree, you you obey. But where the state says now you you must uh, align your allegiance with the state, which would probably never happen in America, at least not in my lifetime. Yeah. You must align your allegiance with the state and uh, forsake your religion. Well, of course, we're not going to do that if you're a Christian. Right. Uh, and when the state mandates, I don't know, something that you're supposed to do that is against your religion. Like, if say the state mandated that if you were a doctor, it mandated that you had to perform abortions yeah. and you're a Christian. Well, now you have, to, you have to practice civil disobedience. This is what made the church great during the civil rights era. That's exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. practiced, civil disobedience. Right. And so you have to realize that the state is for the protection of the uh, culture, and it is always through less than ideal um, means. Sure. Because even in Romans 13, Paul says that the state does not bear the sword for nothing. Well, it's not ideal for people to be executed. Right. In, in Paul's day, they executed through the sword, right? Yeah. It's not ideal to execute anybody or kill anybody with the sword. But it is a means through which God has actively uh, used, chosen to use the state to bring about a greater, wider peace for humanity so that 
the gospel can be preached and people's hearts can be changed. So where the state does not actively um, undermine your Christian activity and cause you to actively disobey Christ, I say you're okay. Yeah, obey them. Mm -hmm. Obey the government. And I also would say that you do your research on it because mm-hmm. in Massachusetts it's it's optional. It's optional, right? Okay. And but I'm not 100% sure about this, but I believe, and I could be wrong, that it, it does prevent ovarian cancer for girls. But again, it's all for sexual activity. Well, I'm not yeah, sure that's about where that, I'm so wondering. That's why I'm saying do your research on it. But the thing is, is if you're trying to encourage abstinence. And you're having a hard time encouraging abstinence when you're saying, let me get the vaccine that will be basically a safe net for sexual activity outside of marriage. But I'm it's, just I bringing this up conflict. only because yeah. this is the generation we live in. You may be abstinent, but you may marry somebody who wasn't necessarily well, that's abstinent. that's true, too. Yes. So that's me- and so yeah. that could pre- protect I guess I think about like um, putting somebody on birth control. Is or giving similar? them a condom. Yeah, I mean, well, say well, abstinence. Yeah, but that's a, but like a I said, different. this also yeah. could prevent against ovarian cancer. And okay. it's a bit different. And yeah, you don't know when you get married who you're going to marry, and they might have had sexual activity before marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I would also say that um, the whole homeschooling thing and the, and the whole idea that I'll protect my kid by putting them in Christian school. I have a pastor friend last week that I had a conversation with, and his child uh, came home, uh, did not, they homeschool, and the child, which they found all kinds of nasty stuff on a phone that this one of this one of his children yeah a phone that the child found okay hacked into got on cellular service Mm -hmm. somehow this is what the 13 year old wow 13 year old kid did all this stuff and he's like i don't know how this happened he's a homeschooler homeschooling and i said to him i said i thought homeschooling was supposed to protect you from that right yeah well homeschooling doesn't is not a cure-all Sure. And that's why I say, you know, don't look to homeschooling your children as some kind of like, I'm fearful of what my children will become, so I'm going to homeschool and protect them. That's not necessarily the case. Jesus said, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, fornications, mm-hmm. murders, lies, adultery, and all those kind of things. It's not what goes from the outside in all only as much as it is what comes from the inside out. Yeah. That's why you need to pray for the heart of your child yeah. to be pure. Sure, instruct them. And I'm all for instructing them. You may need to get the vaccine. But praying for their heart to remain remain pure, praying Mm -hmm. for God to protect them and give them a sense of purity in their being is your most powerful weapon. Can't just lock them in a room and hope everything will go away. (laughs) All right, so uh, let's see how this As much as you might want to. (laughs) Somewhat similar um, topic. Hello, I've never been married. Before I became a Christian and baptized, I had many partners and several abortions. If I do find a husband, should I tell him about my past? And how much of my past should I share? I'm going to let Cheryl answer this one. She's a lady. Okay. Um, Yes, I think you should tell your husband. Mm. I think you should be an open book once you get married. I mean, once you, you get married or before? Get, uh, well, one, you know. As, as, as marriage your, becomes. As it progresses and you know that this person certain. is yeah. your future husband, I think that you should be able to be, be yourself with that person. And share no who secrets. you are. Yeah. There should be no secrets between husband and wife. Okay, good. Yeah. And if they're a Christian, they should forgive you and move on and make you, you know, husband and wife. And right. And I'm sure. sure this was things that she did before she became. That's a what Christian. she says. Yes. Exactly. exactly. So. so I mean, if they don't accept that, mistake. if they can't forgive that, then you probably don't want to be married to them. Well, because that's, that's good, just yeah. going to be the beginning right. of of mm-hmm. a long, hard relationship where every mistake that you make, they're going to hold against you. Yeah. A Christian by Christ's commandment must forgive, think about it, he tells mm-hmm. Peter, 70 times 7, 490 times. Yeah. And he said it in one day. Right. In one day they yeah. sin against you 70 times 7. One day you forgive them 70 times 7. Well, the real 
principle is infinity. Right. You never stop forgiving. So if they're not forgiving you, if they can't look past that, then that's a warning sign for you. And I had to forgive you of a lot of stuff. After we got, we got married. married. <laughs> well, didn't you guys say... I was a good no. boy until we got married. Was it last week or the week before where you said marriage is about two great forgivers? Yes. Two great yeah. forgivers. Not two great people. But that's what not Christians are. People. Christians, the heart of the Christian faith is not being perfect. Right. The heart of the Christian faith is being forgiven. That if you have been forgiven much, you love much. Mm-hmm. If you have been forgiven much, you forgive much. That's the heart. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is not perfect. So all these people that say, I can't go to church, there's hypocrites there. No, there's just imperfect people that yeah. have been forgiven. Now, they may struggle with unforgiveness themselves. Well, that's bad. We need to work on our forgiving and our grace because we have yeah. received much grace. Right. And Jesus' harshest condemnations in the gospel yeah. are for people who don't forgive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. Yeah. He's not, he was not harsh with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. He was mm. not harsh with her. He yeah. was not harsh with uh, Peter when he denied him. Right? Right. He's not harsh with the sins that we think are unforgivable. He's harshest on the sin of unforgiving, yeah. of not forgiving people who have sinned against okay, you. Okay, I have a question. Leading Ooh, to this just from in. that question. This just in. For me. Say you were a man before you got married, before you say, met this person. I, I and you was d- a man? You transitioned into oh. a woman. Oh boy. What do you <laughs> do You gotta tell them. But situation. you were a man and, yeah, I I saw that movie. It was called The Crying Game. Uh didn't go well, well. look. Uh, I'm this just actually, saying this because this yeah. could be stuff that could come up in our. My our friend Stephen Bennett has friends that have transitioned back because they became a Christian. Oh wow! Yeah. And they once becoming a Christian, and Stephen Bennett has more stories about this than I do. Um, they radically regretted changing their sex. Sure. And so they mm-hmm. went back, mm-hmm. and it's possible today. And so if you're Christian, God changes. God so changes your heart like that. Yeah. What a testimony of the power of the gospel. Amen. Okay? This is why we don't argue with transgenders who are not Christian. Sure. We're not, right. we're not here to force our morality on non-Christians. Right. The state has the right to force morality on non-Christians. Again, this is so important for Christians to get this. There is the state and there is the church. And, and we do not use the church to govern the state. We are the kingdom. We are part of God's work. Okay. Yeah. So when when come when we come to morality and issues about abortion and mm-hmm. issues about homosexuality, transgenders, all the hot topics, we Christian leaders are talking to the church. Yeah. If you are not in the church, you can ignore everything we say. Sure. We, we're not asking you to do this. I am talking to Christians. So Christian morality and biblical morality is for Christians, just like the Ten Commandments were for Israel, not for Egypt. Right. When does God give the Ten Commandments to his people? After. After he brings them out of Egypt. So he doesn't give them, the, give them to the whole of nation, nation of Egypt with the slaves, Israelites, Israelite slaves in Egypt. He brings his people out and then he says, these are the rules from you, my people. Yeah. Same thing with, with, with Jesus' words. They're for us, not for the world. It's good. And just to go back to the abortion thing, yeah, that's something please. that I would probably not wait till after you're married to share with right. your spouse. Share that yeah. with them good, because good that might be a very difficult thing for somebody to process yeah. once they've married you. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. give them that option. I hate to say it like that, but give them that option to say, I just can't live with well, somebody. Well, I like what you said was if they don't handle it well, it exactly. probably wouldn't That's be the person I, mean I want to marry. Right. So why not tell them before? Because it's such a hot topic and it's such a sensitive topic. You want to be honest with that. Yeah. 
That's good. All right. So I have a guy I work with that claims to be a Christian and is engaged to be married, but he's always cheating and talking to other girls behind (laughs) her back and he brags about it. I just know him from work and I don't know how to approach this because I am in work and I don't want to start a fight. I say little things like that's not right and don't know how to dig in and not get in trouble at work. Please help. Right. That's, uh, okay. Well, backing up from the end first. Yeah. You're right. If you're at work, yeah. work. save Just your work. religious your conversation Good. for when you're out of work. My advice is if you want to talk to him about it, take him out for coffee. Yeah. After if work. If you are a guy. Right. Right. Not right, if right. you're a girl. Yeah. Don't take him out for coffee. That would be yeah. Weird. If you're a guy. I don't. Yeah. We don't know who this is. So if it's a guy, take him out. If it's a girl, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do. So, well, biblically, <laughs> we go to job. our brothers with sin and try to approach them and see if it's received. If not, we yeah. Go but yes. when you're a girl and you try to approach a guy doing that, yeah. you are opening a door that you might not want to open exactly. for yourself personally. Yeah. So you got to use wisdom here. You don't want to have somebody of the opposite sex confiding you or sharing with you about marriage. Uh, well. He's not. He's engaged, right? Is he engaged or married? He's engaged. He's engaged, and he's yeah. got another girlfriend on the side. It sounds like. Yeah, that's. So that's, he claims to be a. And I, I knew where the question was going as soon as I said, yeah, "Yeah, he's not a Christian." If he's right. doing it, um, so you know, look, this is America's big problem right now. And again, this kind of goes back to what I just said in the last question, which is. Christians are called to obey Christ's rules, not non-Christians. So if you're going to be a Christian, and I, and I said this a couple of weeks ago from the pulpit, and I meant it, what I love about America becoming more secular is that finally all the pretend Christians are just coming clean yeah. and saying, you know what, I really actually don't believe any of this stuff. And this has been um, overdue for our country. The happy marriage between Christianity and Americanism is not was never really a happy marriage. Right. Because their church can become so American, it's no longer the church. Sure. That's a bad thing. Yeah. So secularization of our country is good for the church in that it it makes Christians stand, stand out. out. Yeah. Number two, it causes non-Christians who are claiming to be Christians to come clean and say, you know what, I'm not really a Christian. Well, that's better for the church. At least now we know. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. this person's a fake, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Now we can now your friends cannot stop now now your friends can stop equating Christianity with your lifestyle, which is nothing near a Christian. Sure. It's like <laughs> the famous Gandhi quote, I, I love you, you Jesus, I hate I your hate Christians. Your Christians yeah. You know what you could do is invite them to Waters Church. There you go. Yeah, you could do that. And say, come to my church. Yeah, 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 that's right. Then you'll learn. Hey, I I got a question for you. Were you ever at the Poconos at a Steve Bennett event? Yes, I was. So that's Steve. No, well, uh, you <laughs> met this lady named Stacy, and God changed her heart, and she left the gay lifestyle. Yeah. Not a question. She just wanted to share that, so that's I great. thought I would. I was. I was down there in October, remember? Yes. I drove down there, and I preached on a Sunday morning for his conference and uh, mm. met some great people. Met a lot of former homosexuals yeah. tra- and mm-hmm. former transgenders. It was just amazing to see. And every single one of them, not a single one said, someone argued me out of this. Right, of course. Someone debated me out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Or a politician passed a law and I changed. Laws don't change people. Right. Look, the Old Testament's clear. All the laws God gave didn't change anybody. Um, so what everyone said, though, was, Jesus changed my heart. Right. Mm-hmm. If your heart is changed, your life is changed. And that's what the gospel message is about. It's about the heart being converted to Christ. Yeah. So uh, same topic, jumping in on this convo. Does Waters Church embrace transgender in the community? 
Embrace it. That's what it says. Well, we wouldn't Dude. embrace anything that's unscriptural right. or unbiblical. Maybe the confusion is because uh, we're saying in the church. So they're saying in the community, do we care? Do we embrace it? I don't know. We, we, we as Christians are called to love our neighbor no yeah. matter what our neighbor is or does right. or believes. So I don't believe Muslims are going to heaven. Right. But I must love my Muslim exactly. neighbor. Yeah. And in hopes that he will hear the gospel and come to Christ and go to heaven with me. So I want every transgendered person in my community to hear about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're welcome to come they're here welcome on the to weekend. come to our church. Yeah. yeah. But, but we're not going to celebrate, affirm, right, exactly. endorse the lifestyle because we believe, biblically speaking, is not right. right. So yeah. if, if by embrace you mean affirm yeah, or in, I think agree so. with, no, yeah. but embrace love, yes. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Cheryl. You're wel- good. Very and you're good. welcome to come to our church. Please. As yep. often and as much as you want, and I want you there. Yeah. You know, I say this yeah. too uh, regularly is if you're not a Christian in our church, we're so glad that you're here. Yeah. So, and this like, may or may not apply. What this I have may, to say, yeah, yeah. When I and then I say that I say, look, yeah. what I'm about to say is for Christians. Is right. the Christians cannot reject this. You you have no choice. You have to accept this. But mm-hmm. if you're not a Christian, you have my permission to just laugh at us Christians who struggle with this. Because yeah, <laughs> which know? makes it more comfortable for them to come to church, well, which hopefully. I love. Yeah, I think. It well, is. there's a lot of hurting people out there, and we will do everything in our power to share the gospel and share Jesus with them. Yeah. Good. Amen. So my question is about coming to Christ as a child. I was saved and backslid after my separation and divorce. Now, 15 years later, I'm trying to get my life in touch with Christ. I'm worried because I don't want to let God down or cause my husband now to be in danger of going to hell. Uh, This is all in caps. So many uh, believe I'm sinning because I got married again. I thought we answered this last week. Uh, Maybe we didn't. Something similar. Um, I'm sinning because I married again and that I'm uh, the stumbling block to my husband. Please help. So... Get the get summarized her experience. Yeah, so we know what we're answering. She was saved as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, she backslid, got divorced. Fifteen years have gone by. She remarried, and she thinks that people are saying she's sinning because she remarried mm-hmm. after coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. No, no, she came to Christ before all that. And she backslid. She got married again. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Is she sinning so she really because she got divorced? She really wasn't walking in in. Christ but, when she got divorced. No, but she's clear But by saying she was saved as a child. Right. But she's her main wor- worry isn't for herself, but being a stumbling block to her husband. She's worried about him going to hell. Okay, yeah. Well, let me address that. Mm. And then Cheryl, she'll take the other part. Okay. You don't make your husband go to hell. It's <laughs> good. Yes. Your husband has got to make a personal decision to follow the Lord Jesus, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, finished work mm-hmm. at the cross, right, and then follow him. Okay, that's his choice, and you don't make him reject or accept that. He has got to make that decision for himself. Right. So you're not making him go to hell. Cheryl, okay. the other part. What was the other part? The other Did she p- sin by remarrying yeah. after falling away? Well, she wasn't serving the Lord at that time, so she, you know. She was probably sinning in many ways. We're all sinning. Right, exactly. So you can't keep living in the past. you got to move forward uh, now. That's right, right. So what I would suggest is do everything in your power to be submissive to your husband. If he's not a Christian, you know, still live, you know, like what we shared submit, about. Submit. Still. Yeah. Um, live a godly life so that he may come to Christ by your actions mm-hmm. and not necessarily by your words. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
know. And I think that you have to just let the past be the past. We are not asking you to undo the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're yeah. in whatever relationship that you are in right now because of the the the, the very um, conf- confused period through which you backslid or fell away from Christ and walked in your own path. Well, whatever you are now, and mm-hmm. that's what Paul says, in whatever situation you find yourself now, obey. Do right. what you must do today. You can't go back and undo that. It sure. happened. So, And I had a guy ask me this. Uh, this sounds like a woman, right? Yeah, it's a woman. Yeah, right? it's it a, a woman. So um, I had a guy ask me the same question. Look, I'm remarried. I feel terrible. Should, what right. should I do? Or should I get divorced? I was like, no. Tell me too long. Create another sin yeah. in order to fix that. that sin. No, it's over yeah. now. Right. You, you have to, in whatever situation you find yourself in today, right. obey the Lord. And the right. theology is wrong because the theology is saying my sin can get me to heaven or to hell. I think what she's, I think what the passage that she's list, that she's hearing is when Jesus says, "Whoever marries a divorced woman causes her yes. to commit adultery." Right. Okay. Again, context matters, and biblical times matter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 law that God that Moses gave to Israel in Deuteronomy twenty four, mm-hmm. it was to a patriarchal society where women had no rights. Yep. So. What would happen in Moses' day? That men would just marry a woman and then fall out of love or fall you know, out of favor with the woman, and then they would just take up another wife, and then that poor woman would get no attention from the man, no care, no, no sustenance, no right. provision, and he would care all about the, 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 the newer model, sure. quote-unquote. Well, Moses comes up with that command saying, write a certificate of divorce so that that woman is freed from you and can find a man who will love her and care for her. Right, so it's for the benefit. Yeah. Yes, that was a different society. The society is totally different today. Women yeah. have rights. Yeah. Women have legal rights. Again, the state is good in this situation yeah. because now a woman who was divorced has legal protections and legal protections for their children. Mm-hmm. So don't apply these ancient laws of the Bible to modern-day times. Right. You, you are not... By getting, re- if you're a divorced woman and you get remarried to a man, he is not causing you to commit adultery. Right. Okay. That would have been in the case. Jesus talking about the fact that if you that, and he was talking to the men, you keep writing these certificates of divorce, you are causing that woman to go commit adultery. It's on you. Right. It's on you. So again, her question, <clears throat> I think, is inspired by that statement, and you don't want to take that. Out of context. I've, I've heard that question a lot, so I'm glad you answered it, and I'm glad you answered it the way you did, Yeah, because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that are struggling with that. Should I even remarry because I've been divorced, but then I came to Christ, but this passage says, so. Right. No. You've got it's to, about context. Yes, like and saying. I think it's in 1 Corinthians where, where Paul says, in whatever, whatever, uh, in, in whatever situation you find yourself in today, you must live in it, stay in it. Yeah. Don't get divorced. Don't get married. Don't do that, all this stuff. And I think that applies to this day with uh, remarried couples. Remarried, but what if what if you're single and you come to Christ, should I stay single? That's between you and the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And when Paul says it's better to, to stay as I am, well, <laughs> in the context of the First Corinthians passage, uh, we need to remember the context, the, the historical time in which he wrote that was to a city, Corinth, where they had just experienced a tremendously uh, devastating earthquake mm-hmm. and there was a, a citywide famine, actually region-wide famine. Okay. And people were starving. And what he was saying to people was, don't go taking up a family now that in the midst be. of a famine. Right. That's, that's foolish. Those kids are going to struggle and starve. Mm-hmm. So in the context, in this present time, he was saying, it's better not to marry. Right. Now, he does also say that if you don't marry, you can give all your time to the Lord. But look, let's be honest. Most people can't do that. Yeah. Very and few. they're not called to do that. It's not healthy 
to restrain sins. The same Bible that says, is, yes, if you don't get married, you can give all your time to the Lord, also says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing in the right. Proverbs. Also says that when God saw man, he said, it is not good that man should be alone. He created a helpmate. So let's read the Bible in totality and not take one little passage and apply it universally for all time, everywhere. Well, Jesus said a similar thing where he said, yes, it's best if you stayed single. I'm paraphrasing. When you get divorced, he was saying, if you get divorced, it's better not to marry. Well, actually, they said, if that's the case, that he should only be divorced from sexual immorality, it's better for a man not to marry. Jesus says, hey, not everybody can accept that, but whoever can should. It's a hard saying to accept. Yeah, but Jesus makes the qualifier. Not everybody can accept it. Yeah, most. (laughs) Meaning you can't, most people cannot do that. All right, hey, Pastor Tim. Love your church and ministry. I'm a pastor's son, and my question is, is it okay to leave... Oh, is this your son? Firstly, that's what I wanted to say. This better not be my son. One of them. (laughs) I'm a pastor's son, so says this anonymous uh, question. And my question is, is it okay to leave your dad's church and be a member of a different church? If so, how do I go about it? Like talking to him and then talking about it. Thank you. Well, if this is Connor... The answer is no. Okay. (laughs) Or Jake. (laughs) It might be Jake. Or daughters. If it was Jake, it would all be misspelled words. (laughs) Cheryl, you are a pastor's daughter. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's true. Well, Well, first of all, let's just first make church. Yes, but I didn't leave my dad's church till after I was married. So, if this is somebody who was young and a teenager, then I would say no, because you want to stay with your family and you want to you know, be supportive. And if you're saying that you don't even want to be in the church that your dad's, you're sort of saying you're not supporting that ministry or that church. But I also want to say as a pastor's kid, growing up in the church, and once Tim and I got married and sort of t- did our own thing, it was it was a lot more... Um, freeing. Freeing. And I was able to not take on my own identity. Sure. Because you're always known as the pastor's kid. That's pretty kid. valid there, Cheryl. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're always known as the pastor's kid. Now mm. I'm just known as the pastor's wife. So I don't know if I That's did any favors right. for myself. Oh, boy. That's but right. But, you, you know, Poor it's... Poor Mr. X. And so, for anybody who's not aware of the C.S. Lewis quote, you got to read Mere Christianity, look up the marriage chapter, and watch the, and find the poor Mr. X quote. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, but I would say to that young man is that Cheryl is very right in saying maybe it is time for you to spread your wings and get out from under being, from being the pastor's son. Um, But yes, he asked if he should have a conversation with his dad. And yes, you should. Yes. And yes, you should. And And you should tell him why. Yeah. Maybe dad... Uh, needs to listen to you. And here's what I would love, okay? Mm. As, as flattered as I am that they want to come to our church, here's what I would love. Sure. You have, the con- you have the conversation with dad and tell him, look, the church is just all your generation. Because I know what happens, right? right. The church becomes dad's generation and mm-hmm. everything about the church is for dad and his generation. Mm-hmm. And the young people struggle. They struggle for that. They yeah. struggle in that situation. So I would love if you and dad had a conversation and dad made changes to empower the young people to start shaping the culture of the church so that your church is geared toward your generation and you stay in your dad's church and you help blossom his church. And so rather than take you out of your church to come to our church, I'd rather your church get younger in his his style and then you reach your generation and help us reach lost people, not just transfer uh, Christian sheep from one church to another. That's good. But like I said earlier, sometimes too, it's just a matter of not having your own, own identity. Yes. Yeah. And if that's the case, it is tough. It's tough to be there and just known as the pastor's kid, always under scrutiny. Yeah. You know, you have to live in that sort of glass house. 
Sure. Yeah. And if so really if that's wanna... the case, that's uh, you might want to you might want to leave. Right. And I think, but again, conversation. Yeah, have that conversation. Be respectful. Yeah. Uh, here's Honor. a long one, Connor. You may not switch churches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Due to an injury and surgery, I needed to have. I guess, okay, the surgery they need to have because of the injury. My husband and I have had to move in with our in-laws so they could help me with our daughter during the recovery. We lived with them for two years. It took a year to get surgery approved. Uh, we didn't intend to stay that long. And we moved out this past September. Our daughter is now three and a half, and she has a hard time taking direction from both her father and I since her grandparents stepped in and did a lot of the, the help with the parenting. Our doctor said she now views us as siblings rather than her parents. <laughs> what can we do to right these wrongs and be better parents for her? We're seeing improvements and spend time in the Bible each day with her, but we want to see if you have any extra input on this issue. Well, the good news is she's only three and a half, mm-hmm. so it's not like she's already... Lost forever. Right. right. She's not, you she's know, not three and a half. They're still very, very teachable. Yeah. Good. You have plenty of time to get back parental authority. Yep. Yeah. And so my suggestion is to lay down the laws, hold their feet to the fire, and make it absolutely not plain. Literally, right? Right. Not literally. <laughs> but make it absolutely plain that you are going to stick by your authority and your rules and hold them accountable to it. See, if you get lax, mm-hmm. if you don't follow through, and this is the hardest part about deci- uh, discipline, follow through. Yeah, a yeah. lot of parents make threats. Mm-hmm. They never follow through. Cheryl and I went to a family once. We stayed with them, and they kept warning their their two year old son, "You're gonna you're gonna get a spanking. You're gonna get a spanking." Okay, and wait. they never. He's talking about my cousin in South Africa. <laughs> I, wow. say, I didn't Hope you're say. watching. They're not watching. I know they're not watching. <laughs> so but they said yeah. you're gonna get a hiding. You're gonna in get South a Africa. Hiding. The word is hiding for spanking. Hiding. hiding. Oh, a hiding. Guy. And the kid never got the hiding, and he needed it, man. He, <laughs> I mean, he needed yeah, it. Was, yeah. It was. It was funny. Oh, but no they, empty but, threats. But so it was just empty a constant. Threats. Yeah, it was empty threats. Undermine your authority. Yeah. You got to stick by the threat, not the threat, the promise of punishment, mm-hmm. and follow through. And I just want to read the scripture that I had saved on my phone here. Ooh. That says um, in Hebrews. Sorry, I should have had it ready. Um, I apologize for that. Okay, so Hebrews chapter twelve. It says, "For the the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastises every son whom He receives." Um, if you don't love your kids, you're not disciplining them. That's right. They need they need those boundaries. They need those. Um, oh. Those boundaries. They yeah. need boundaries. I don't I know if there's another the word. word for it, but yes, they need rules. Yeah. They need restrictions. They need boundaries. Um, Proverbs 22, <laughs> verse 6. We all love this passage. Train up a child in the way that they should go, yeah. and when he is old, he should not depart from it. Okay. I had somebody come up to me this past weekend and say, you know, I've always taken that passage to mean that it's your job as a parent to find out which way your child should go internally, mm. what's their internal wiring, and then guide them in it. I said, well, I've heard that too, and I looked it up. It's not the valid interpretation of the passage. Yeah. Because just nine verses later in Proverbs 22, it says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline shall drive it far from him. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't try to find what's in your child's heart. What's in your child's heart is folly. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you need to drive, <laughs> you need to drive oh, that yeah. folly out of Now, yes, every child will have certain gifts and callings and all that kind of stuff. I get that. There are other passages that you can use to find, you know, that out. But, you know, your your child 
is full of garbage when they're born because they are born with their Adamic nature, their sin nature. Yeah. And they need someone to discipline them to drive that nonsense out of their minds and drive it far from them mm-hmm. so that they are not misled later in life with it. Yeah, your, that's true. Your parents, I mean, your children will hate you later on in life if you are too permissive with them. Right, and also, sorry, this is the other scripture I wanted to read. Also in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 11, for the moment all all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So a lot of parents, the problem is at the moment it's just difficult and painful because we don't want our children to suffer Mm -hmm. or it's hard for us to see them go through that, you know, it's painful. And it's, sometimes it's just, it's wearing, it's tiring. Mm-hmm. But it yields fruit it in due time. Yeah. It is, it's very tiring. Well, it's discipline for the parent and for the child it's, sometimes. It's, yeah, exactly. And, and the older you get, like we, huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we had, we had our first two in our mid-20s, we had our third in our mid-30s. Uh-huh. Right. So he gets very, away with everything. After the fourth time, you're just like, I don't care. That's just why do I it. tell these men in their 30s who are not married or string along the girls, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. You will not have any energy left mm. to discipline but these But you know children. what's interesting is our older two kids constantly remind us of the things that they weren't allowed to of do. Of course, yeah. And see the things that we've just sort of become a little lax with the younger one. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're just purely exhausted. We are exhausted. Yeah. So it's their fault. You just blame them. It's your fault I can't punish them because you made me so tired. No, no, no. That's right. I'm taking that. That's right. No, actually, when we we only had our two older kids, we used to go out to eat at a restaurant and people would literally come up to us and say... Strangers. Yes. They would say to us, How good your kids kids are so well behaved. And then we had the third and... (laughs) They don't say that anymore. No. The older two go to a different table and pretend (laughs) like they're not They do. They go to a different table and pretend they're not with us. But he's improved. He's getting a lot better. We say a lot of things about Jake, but he's a good boy. And he's and good. I found out that Jake actually likes when I talk about him from the pulpit. Oh, yeah? He of loves course, it. Of course. He went to Cheryl's like mom's <laughs> church. I'm Cheryl's dad and mom's church. And uh, he came home to us and we said, did you like mom, grandpa's church, Grammy and grandpa's church? And he said, I didn't like it as much as ours. And, my, and Cheryl said, why? And he said, because at our church, dad talks about me from the pulpit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I should take that as a good thing or a bad thing. Okay. He's, he's, he's going to be a pastor. He's an attention addict, just like yes, me. exactly. He just loves the attention. Yeah. Uh, switching gears, Luna, Miss Luna wants to know, would you be open to having a singles event for the church? We've talked about this. Yeah, now, we talked about this with our staff. It didn't go further than our staff, and they all nixed it because they were mortified at the idea yeah <laughs> well, all the young event. ones all the like young a singles ones mingle yeah like we talked about like a roller skating event or something well you're right. single would you like an event for single. you well you're dating, I'm not married would you, <laughs> not married. Would, you would you like it in a single event i uh, it depends what the event would be and hey everybody in the comments let us know if you want a singles <laughs> event let's see how many people would sure like you it. tell us what you want to hear as as director of pastoral care i know i hear that a lot like but we have i'm not against it it's just that whenever we brought it up they were like mortified people oh, think it's corny or maybe just our approach to it was corny the things maybe we was. suggested were corny you know there's a lot of if you're interested in having a singles event let us know. Yeah, and here's what I would love. And sending here's, ideas. Here's yeah. what I would love, but I don't think that the pastors are brave enough to do this in the in the area. Okay. Wouldn't it be great if all the pastors in the in our region yeah. said, hey, let's throw a singles bash for all of our singles corporately so That'd that they cool. can meet each other from oh, other churches. Oh, but then churches. we're going to have people going from our church to that so church. So what? Yeah. It's the yeah, church. I want Christians to meet Christians. It'd be kind of cool. And if they do, 
go to another church. Well, I mean, until half I'd of my young adults be, leave and go to a different church. Well, I'd say that no, would benefit that most would other churches, and or other because churches will come. we have a healthy that's group why I of say, young. That's why I say that I don't think pastors have the guts to do no, it, though. No, and I, I would be willing of to course, do this. Like, yeah. why not try to have these people marry other Christians? Yeah. Because we have such a, they have such a hard it time meeting other Christians. Yeah. Right. And why, why, why we don't have a kingdom mentality? We all have this protect this protectionism mentality. Yeah. Oh, it's my sheep, it's my people. Don't take my people. They're not my people. They're Jesus's people. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's put so it out there. If you're a pastor the in the community, <laughs> let me know. I'd love to work something out. We, we could have a we could rent like a banquet hall in Providence and just send them. It doesn't have to be sponsored by any church. Not at the church building. Yeah. Just. Boom, go have a big single thing and then see what happens. See, see what love connections are yeah. made. <laughs> Can I go? No, you can't go. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, last week, you guys talked uh, or you answered a question about fertility treatments. Would, you, would your answer be any different if the couple used donor sperm or donor eggs? Mm. Yes, it would be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's weird. Yes. I don't know if I'm okay Can with I that. Borrow your eggs. Yeah, that's strange. Well, I don't know. I look. You know, we've I, never no been in that situation, so we don't yeah, understand mm. those women or men who uh, maybe can't have children. Maybe it's I spoke a very sensitive subject. I think of Abraham, though, and what did he do? You know, he he, he took donor. He took a donor. Took a donor woman. Woman, basically. <laughs> right. And well, know. and again, if you're both Christians, yeah, you know, and I said this on Sunday about adoption. Mm-hmm. Your parents are those who raised you. There's a lot yeah. of problems from this uh, 23 and Me mm-hmm. find my ancestor stuff because yeah. people are finding out that the person that raised them was not their biological parent, mm-hmm. and it causes all kinds of problems that they never should have found out. Yeah. They shouldn't have found it out. What did it? What good did it do? Yeah, yeah. that person. I agree. That person who raised you, loved you, mm-hmm. disciplined you, fed you—that's your parent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and I speak personally. My mother was adopted, and uh, the only scar out of that was finding out that she was adopted. But she loved the, yeah. the parents. Stop that trying to her. find that out. Why you know? don't you just ignorance is bliss? It, yeah, like, that should be in the Bible. <laughs> well, yeah, and I just want to say that is a very, very sensitive topic, and. Mm-hmm. But it's again, it's the idea is that I am the product of my genes. You are not. No, no, no. I'm talking about women and who can't conceive. Oh, right. That's very, very, very difficult topic. We've never, ever had to experience that. Same as, uh, you know, miscarriage, loss of a child. It's very difficult. Women really, really struggle with that. And um, I don't know if we can truly answer that. Well, I, I, I'm going back actually under my initial response, which I just thought of the grossness factor of it, you know, Why putting somebody else, well, putting somebody else's sperm or egg inside of you is weird to me. But I think that if you're going to raise a child as a Christian, have at it because that child's being raised by you is actually more beneficial than that child mm-hmm. not being raised by or being raised by a non-Christian. Mm-hmm. We need Christians to have babies. In right. this culture, yeah, there's um, a ton of sociological research that has proven that the replacement rate through birth mm-hmm. and through child rearing is below what it should be for the West to stay Christian. Yeah, guess whose birth rate is well above the replacement rate? Muslims. Muslims. Yeah. This is why it is just a matter of time yeah. before the West is overtaken by. Islam. Just by birth it's just rate. a matter of time. Yeah. And I just read an article the other day uh, about a, the Seattle school district that is actually oh, giving yeah. their teachers a 
memo, a handout on how to help their Muslim students celebrate Ramadan. Oh, this is a nice. public but school, can't, can't a taxpayer-funded mm. school getting instructions on how to help Muslim children celebrate Ramadan. The day they would hand something out like that for Christians in Holy Week oh, yeah. is the day the the Capitol would burn down. It'd be right. It's yeah. friends. If you can't see the writing on the wall, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Mm. It's coming. This is why I say the more Christians that we have raising Christians in this community, in this generation, the better. Biological or not. Just to go back to the original question, though, I kind of don't see the difference. And this is just my opinion. I don't see the the difference between a sperm donor Mm -hmm. and adoption. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. It's Mm. adoption is the key to the gospel. That's good. Except the only difference is that now you're really... It starts from the womb. womb. It's like half yours, right? I, well, depending on whose egg, whose yeah. sperm, you're the all that mom. Kind of stuff. You're going to be raising the child. Raise like the child said. in fear and the adoration yeah. of the Lord. No, That's I like that. Most important. That's good. Update. Seven said yes for the single social. Seven <laughs> now say yes. Seven. Who That's are these God's seven number. people? Let us know. No, I'm just um, yes. no, 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 joking. All ladies. All ladies. Hello. Chris. Whoa. No, I'm just kidding. It's a uh, good time to be a single man at Waters Church, everybody. All ladies. So here's an interesting one. I'd like to know your answer. Ken... Two Christians be unequally yoked? No. Okay. Well, because well, some people take that as unequally yoked means just the religion, and some people think it's levels of faith. So maybe you can expound on what it means to be unequally yoked. Well, you, you do that because you, right. you levels of faith. Uh huh. Is a misnomer. Okay. You, the Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard yeah. seed. You can say to this mountain. And the point that he's making there is it's not about the amount of faith that you have or the level of faith. It's what your faith is in. Yeah, good. So is your faith as two married people in the, again, listen to the words, people. It's so important. In the finished work of Jesus at the cross for you. Mm -hmm. Right. If that's your faith, if your faith is in that, then you are not equally yoked spiritually. But let's go back to unequally yoked because I know where that passage comes from. It comes from 1 Corinthians, right? Mm -hmm. He's not just talking about marriage in that passage. Right. He Go back to the Deep End podcast season one. We talked about unequally yoked in, on I think it's in chapter six, right? Go back and listen, because I unpacked clearly the context to which that passage is applied. Right. It is not applied to marriage. Okay. It good. is not applied to marriage. Now, there hmm. is plenty of other texts that we can use to say, look, you shouldn't marry a non-believer. Oh. But that text actually is weaker than you think. Because he's not specifically speaking to marriage. He's but speaking everybody to, thinks it's about marriage. Yeah, he's yeah. speaking to partnerships, I believe, if I remember correctly, because even I forget it. Uh, he was speaking to celebrating um, pagan festivals uh, and uh, uh, adopting pagan uh, principles into the Christian household. Okay. It, that's the unequally yoked. Uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does apply to marriage. I'm just saying, I'm just saying don't apply it strictly to marriage because okay. he's not even talking about marriage in that passage. Mm. I don't believe that a Christian should marry a non-Christian. Right. I don't believe that at all. Glad you say that. Okay, yeah. but I do think that two Christians can be on different levels of convictions. Sure. So maybe that's what they're... Yeah, but, the, but, but that's doesn't every, mean you can't every get married. Though, right? but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I think that that's maybe more what they she mean. Might, yeah, that yeah. person might they feel... Might meaning like I'm more convicted about certain things and sure. you, we both have the Jesus same faith we both love Jesus. But yeah, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that she has Our different convictions. convictions. Maybe at different oh, levels. Okay. Man has different, and right. he has different convictions. Like I might be okay with drinking. My husband's not He's okay not with drinking. Right. So she sees that so as a lower level, level of faith. Of faith. Gotcha. Well, that's not really your faith. That's just different convictions. Yes. Yeah. 
and, so you and be more careful rules. That they, exactly. And First Corinthians applies here too, chapter eight, because what does he say? He says that you who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Right. Okay. Now, interpretation: we say, oh, okay, so I, the strong one who has a conviction against drinking. I have to um, bear with the failings of my husband who doesn't have a conviction with drinking. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You've actually reversed it. Mm-hmm. You've reversed it. What right. he's saying is the person who's strong enough in their faith to know that drinking without excess is not sin right. ought to bear with the failings of the person who can't drink because they feel like any touch of alcohol upon their lips is a sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only he's talking about meat sacrificed to idols, but we can apply it to yeah. drinking. So again, Cheryl, very, very correct. The different convictions is just you guys got to work that out you as a work it yeah. out. And don't and be careful not to become judgmental. Yeah, because that's what could easily happen. Do, yeah, do you know what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we started. Where we said that's that's the one thing. That and Jesus some of it, you know, there is sometimes the lines are sometimes there's there's gray areas, but sometimes the lines are black and white. Mm-hmm. And you know, be very be very careful that you're not just the gray areas are not becoming. I'm more spiritual than you are. Yeah. You know, I have more faith than you know. They're just different mm-hmm. convictions. Uh, one more question, sure, because we're out of time. Totally off subject, then, because I like this question. I want to know what what your answer is. Is it true that there are different levels of heaven, and not everybody is on the same level? Yes, I'm going to be in a much better heaven than ten. <laughs> I'm going to be in a mansion yeah. on hill. I like how quick you were with that answer. <laughs> yes, there are, and you won't be on my level. There are different rewards. We know biblically there are different rewards. Okay. There are not Crowns. different like levels of heaven. Like, okay, I'm in the, you know, the gold level <laughs> heaven, but then there's the platinum level, and then there's sure. the titanium level or whatever it would be after that. No, there's different rewards. Each one will be a reward for the works that he has done. What heaven is, is eternal bliss in the presence of the perfect holy God without sin, without fault, without shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is your reality, no matter what you are as a Christian. Right. Uh, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, who did not have a chance to do a single good work, mm-hmm. today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. So what is heaven? In paradise with God. It is going back to what we had in the garden, but now not in a garden, in a city. Yeah. And so don't think that you're going to miss out on the goodies in heaven. The goodies in heaven is the presence of God, right. period, end of story. So that's your hope, that's your joy, that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, and, is, and, and what else what, other, what, what else you will not have in heaven is envy. So you want to look up to people who have better rewards that's than you good. say, oh, shoot. So you won't be you jealous know. of my mansion. I won't yes. be jealous of Cheryl's mansion. <laughs> I think maybe that comes from when Paul gets called up to what's referred to as seventh heaven. Third heaven. Third heaven, I'm sorry. Seventh heaven seventh was, heaven a, TV was a TV show. Seventh heaven was a TV show. Okay, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but the, that doesn't imply there's different levels of heaven, right? No, uh, the first level of heaven is this level, second level. Mm-hmm. The second heaven is... Um, the outer space, the right. heavens, and then the third heaven by Paul. What, what Paul heaven. means is heaven, the, the 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 abode of God. Great. Well, that's it for your questions. Yeah, don't forget the ladies' tea. Ladies' oh, yes, tea this weekend at four o'clock. Yeah, you can just show up, right? Show up. You don't have to sign up. Show up. Don't have to bring anything. Just no. your questions. Excellent. No, they don't. No, there's not going to be any live questioning during the event. The oh, they're already nice. in, just like they're this. already in. Okay, but you can still send some questions in. And next week we're back to Revelation. 15? Chapter 15. Yeah. I can't wait to get back to Revelation. It's been a long time, and uh, I'm ready to go. But this has been fun. This has been good. I think people have enjoyed it. So if you want more q and I'm going to throw it out there from Tim and Cheryl. <laughs> Look at how Tell us in the comments. <laughs> they are happy, and we're happy that you joined us. I like him. He's yeah. okay. All right. You like him and love him. Good. Well, with that said, hopefully we'll see you next week.
on the deep end. 